Welcome to the Southern Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, and today is Headline Tuesday. I know I usually do Headline Monday, but the Chiefs and Ravens were the Monday night game, so I postponed it till Tuesday. Hope you can understand about that. And uh, yeah, all this is is I talk about the most interesting stuff from week three, or at least the things that I find most interesting. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Starting off with the Bears and Nick Foles completing a 10-26 comeback against the Falcons. Let's talk about it. Mitchell Trubisky, with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, got benched for Nick Foles as Trubisky went 13 for 22, 128 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Nick Foles' third quarter and his early fourth did not look good, but I put that more on Chicago's weapons not not producing. You know, Anthony Miller dropped a fourth and goal touchdown. Allen Robinson got the ball stripped away for a great end zone pick for Darquez Denard. But then, then once, but then once the receivers started to produce, so so did the Bears. Foles full scoring plays, the weapons produced. Jimmy Graham made a great contact catch. The man, Allen Robinson, broke this insane tackle and ran for at least 30, 40 yards to score a touchdown. And to win the game, Nick Foles had a fantastic throw to Anthony Miller with a dude or two coming right at him. It was a beautiful throw. Nick Foles has earned this starting job. Matt Nagy came out and said it. He is the starter. Mitchell Trubisky. It's confirmed a bust now. It, it is 100% confirmed. There's nothing else to it. Moving on to the Falcons' point of view with this whole thing, um, how did they lose? The offense started playing like trash, and the Bears kept having great field position. Before the Falcons' final drive, Matt Ryan was 0-7 throwing in the fourth. And Young Ho Koo, earlier in the game, missed a field goal and the, and the PAT. The Falcons obviously messed this one up. They obviously did. Their offense did not produce, and their defense couldn't contain Nick Foles. Foles in the fourth looked great. He did. He is their starter. It is obvious. Now let's talk about what this means for both teams going forward. The Falcons rank second in first-half scoring. Then when you look at their second-half scoring, they rank 22nd. If they can just keep momentum going they would be two and one and i mean i don't think they're gonna even be one and three because they play the packers on monday night who have the best scoring offense in the league right now i don't think they're gonna be one and three i think they're gonna be zero and four and it's because of inconsistencies there's inconsistencies all over the field. Now, what does this mean for the Bears going forward? Instead of like five and eleven, they're gonna go six and ten or seven and nine. You know, I'm surprised they're three and zero oh right now, but they've had cakewalks of games. Really, the Lions, or I mean, hell, DeAndre Swift dropped the game away, and then they beat the Giants without Saquon. That's, but I mean, nonetheless, they're three and zero. Oh. Falcons are zero oh and three. If the Falcons just be more consistent, they'd be two and one. And the Bears, they've had cakewalks of games, but hey, they're they're three and zero. They are three and zero. You you cannot take that away from them at all. Moving on to the Rams and Jared Goff, some co- come so close to making a great and needed 
comeback. Let's talk about it. The Rams were down 3-28 to in the late third quarter. Goff ran for a touchdown, just a little one-yard QB sneak, made a great th- throw to Robert Woods, and Robert Woods did his thing. It was probably about a 25, 30-yard touchdown. And to make it a one-possession game, completed a 97-yard drive with a Cooper Cup touchdown and a two-point conversion. And Darnell Henderson had a great, great drive to put them in the lead, 32-28. to Now let's talk about the Bills, and more specifically, Josh Allen. First, before I talk about it, he is the real deal. He looks far more accurate than, than last season. His rushing became far more consistent and usable, and his ability to extend plays has gotten so much better from last season. It has gotten so much better. It, it is still not perfect. It's not Russell Wilson level. But I do expect that trait, that skill, to get better and better as this year and next year goes on. And the last drive of the game, um, when golf was storming back, actually when he stormed back, Josh Allen concocted a great drive to win the game, go up 35-32. But let's talk about the elephant that is in the room. On 4th and 8, on the Rams 13, Josh Allen threw an incomplete pass. Looks like game's over. Rams win. They completed the comeback. But there's a flag on the field, and it's a pass interference on the Rams. Automatic first down. Bills have four new plays to win this. They had time to do it, and it was controversial. Obviously, whenever you make a call like that, that's so impactful on the game, that literally changes who wins the game, it will be controversial. But this one was kind of different. This one was kind of different. And I got to say, I agree with the call that was on the field. I think that it was a pass interference. I'm not sure which cornerback did it, but I think it was definitely pass interference. He held him for just a second or two too long. So slightly too long. He was past five yards. I don't know if Josh Allen saw that or not and made sure to throw the ball over to him I can see the outrage it was a very close call but you can't hold like that when you're past five yards you just simply can't the Rams finished the game with more with more total yards more they had a higher time of possession and two forced turnovers in the second half but it was too little too late and with both a missed 53-yard field goal and the pass interference call, they shot themselves in the foot during this almost magnificent comeback. This game came down to Jared Goff versus Josh Allen, two young QBs with a lot to prove this season. Josh Allen is proving it. Jared Goff is not. Nothing else to that. Moving on to Dallas against Seattle. As I said during my Week 3 Fantasy episode... Dak and the Dallas wide receivers should have big days. Seattle has a really, really, really bad secondary. They do not have a good passing defense at all. And that's exactly what happened. Dak threw for 457 yards and had three touchdowns, but they still lost. How did that happen? Let's talk about the greatness of Russell Wilson. 27 for 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns, and zero picks. He should be the mm, if if he keeps this up, he should be the MVP. 
He's a top two player in the league. He is number two only to Mahomes. We will get to him in time. And he should have had six touchdowns, but Trevon Diggs made that great play on DK Metcalf to force the um to force the touchback. That's what it was. This game, Dak Prescott has obviously a way better team around him than Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson's far better than Dak, and Pete Carroll is better than Mike McCarthy. That's what this game was. Better quarterback play and better coaching. This game came came down to the wire. This game came down to the wire. The pressure was on Dak since Zeke was not getting much done. The Seattle rush defense is very good. It's just their passing defense that is not. So Dak had the chance to prove he was worth $40 million with that last drive. He came so close. That drive was a lot of dumping off to Zeke. But that last play on the drive where Dak recovered from that hit and lobbed it to the end zone, I thought Dak was about to make the play of a lifetime. And boom, it's actually a jump ball with like six six dudes there. Basically a damn Hail Mary. And that's an interception game 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 over. Dak played great, but Russell Wilson is better. Mike McCarthy did a fine job coaching, but I mean Pete Carroll's better. These teams are very similar and it came down to it. Ne- neither team has great passing defense. Both teams have pretty good rush rush defenses, but one team's clearly more talented, and that's the Cowboys. But Russell Wilson's currently my number one in the MVP race. Nothing else to it. Nothing else to it. My my main takeaway and what this means for both teams moving forward is that the Cowboys can compete with teams. They can compete with great quarterbacks. They can compete with great coaches on the back of their talent. But Mike McCarthy... He's got to coach these guys better, and Dak has got to tighten up his turnovers 100%. 100%. What this means for Seattle going forward is they can ha- is that they can win shootouts. They can win shootouts against a team that is throwing the ball for 450 yards. Their team can make the plays. They can make the necessary plays to win shootouts. That is what I got from this game. Moving on to the Monday night game, a possible preview of the AFC Championship game, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens. Let's let's talk about it. How did the Chiefs dominate the Ravens? I know that the final score may not look like the Chiefs really killed them, but they killed them. It was not that if you watch the game, it was not that close. The Ravens got a special teams touchdown, and aside from that, only 13 other points. It was not good. Lamar Jackson threw for a mere 97 yards and got sacked four times. He he ran the ball relatively well. He had around 85 yards. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But, but, but Lamar looked flustered under pressure. Chris Jones and Frank Clark are great at that. They've already done that to, to Deshaun Watson. And um, as Lamar looked flustered, Patrick Mahomes was 16 for 19 against the Blitz, throwing three touchdowns against the Blitz, making incredible throws against the Blitz. And this is not just any Blitz. This is the Ravens Blitz. They have Matthew Judon, Calais Campbell coming right at you. This is one of the best defenses in the league. 
This is one of the best defenses in the league. Mahomes proved why he is still the best QB in the NFL. He proved why, well, they're probably going to go back to back because they looked fucking incredible. The Chiefs defense ranks fourth in opponents passing yard per per game and they murdered it this this week. They still have the best offense and a top tier coach. Their rush defense is bottom tier, but I put that more on them them facing Deshaun Watson and David Johnson, Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly and the basically the Ravens whole offensive scheme. But what Kansas City is able to do it's incredible like like I at least thought Patrick Mahomes would get sacked a few times nope didn't happen Patrick Mahomes found the open man lit literally it did not matter who it was whether it was the left tackle Eric Fisher or it was the fullback Anthony Sherman Nicole Hardman made a big play Tyreek Hill made consistent big, big plays, and their defense came up huge. This game was not as close as the final score made it out to be. What this means for the Ravens going forward is they're not the best team in the league. I thought they were. I thought the Ravens were the best team that this league had. The Chiefs are still the best team in the league right now. It's not close. What this means for the Chiefs moving forward is that, well, if their rush defense, I mean, I mean, like, dude, it doesn't even matter if their rush defense based off the stats is bottom tier. They they just stopped the Ravens. They just stopped the best rushing attack of all time. And it does not matter if they're facing a blitz-heavy defense that has people who can get to the quarterback because Patrick Mahomes threw 16 for 19 and three touchdowns against the blitz. Fucking incredible. Patrick Mahomes in... I don't think Patrick Mahomes will win the MVP based off the stats that Russell Wilson's putting up, but he is the best player in the NFL right now, and it's not close. I think that Lamar Jackson is great, but Patrick Mahomes is greater. Something else I would like to talk about is two winless teams right now that should not be winless And I want to talk about why I think they're winless. So without further ado, the Minnesota Vikings are 0-3. 0-3. They have now lost to the Packers, who put up 45 points on them, the Colts, who did not let Kirk Cousins do a damn thing, and thirdly, the Titans, who Derrick Henry ran all over his first week really doing that this season. So how are they 0-3? Like, what are they doing wrong? I'll tell you. They're 26th in the league in third down conversion rate. 26th. With the amount of talent that they have on offense, 26th is embarrassing. Their offense only gets 340 total yards per game, and their defense gives up 440 yards per game. They have a minus 100-yard margin, they are 30th in offensive passing yards per game, playing Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, and Ryan Tannehill. And they're 26th in offensive rushing yards per game. This is on their defense. Week two, I put it on their offense and Kirk Cousins playing horrible, like genuinely horrid. 
but their defense not being able to do a damn thing. I get that their secondary went through a major makeover, so I don't blame them for being 30th there. But for their rushing defense to be so bad, it's honestly embarrassing. 26th in rush defense, that's what's killing them, playing Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. They've been doing nothing good to try to stop them. So now, where did the Vikings go from here to improve their season and just get on the right track? Because they're not getting back on track. They want to get onto the track. What they need to do, in general, is Kirk Cousins needs to get used to Justin Jefferson, which in week three, it looked like that happened. Yannick Nagoku needs to get involved with this defense more. And their secondary, if they can just be average or just slightly below average, it should be okay. It should be just fine. They should be going back to where they were last season, which is at least a playoff team. But starting off 0-3, playing the teams that you've played, giving up the points that you've given up, or in week two, doing nothing to score points whatsoever. There, there may be a makeover com- coming this offseason if, if they cannot. There may be a makeover coming this offseason if they cannot get back on track. For Kirk Cousins, losing Stephon Diggs, that was huge. But, but in the same month frame, you got Justin Jefferson on your team. You need to lead this team. You, Kirk Cousins has never led a team very well, even back in Washington. And hell, Case Keenum led this team better than Kirk Cousins has, and I'll never forget that. Case Keenum did more than did more with this talent than Kirk Cousins had. I won't. I will not forget that. Kirk Cousins, you need to get your shit together. This one's on you. And the defense really just being just embarrassing truly embarrassing the second winless team i find very interesting is the philadelphia eagles what is wrong in philadelphia well this one's an obvious one the turnover margin Their turnover margin is minus 2.3 per game. Carson Wentz is a fumble machine. He has hardly any weapons, so he, so, he, so he throws picks like a damn madman. And they rank 26 in passing yards per game with 218. Their defense is doing well. Their defense is ninth in opponent rushing yards per game and 7th in opponent passing yards per game. This is on Carson Wentz 100%. That is an easy one. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz need to get their shit together because a tie against the Bengals. This is the Bengals we're talking about. The Bengals don't have a defense. To give up turnovers against that team, it's bad. It is bad in Philly. With Alshon Jeffrey coming back, hopefully things can get better, but they need to use their receivers more. I don't know why they drafted Jalen Rager. I get he's still young, so I'm not going to judge him, but I feel like if they had I feel like if they had Justin Jefferson, things would be going better right now. But the reason the Eagles are winless right now, 0-2 and 1, 
is on Carson Wentz. You got the big contract. You got to prove why you're worth it. You have to. And I do feel like if Wentz can salvage this season, come back from 0-2-1, because you're in the NFC East, it's not hard to win this division. It's not. The Cowboys will float around like 8-8. Eight and eight. The Giants are going to win two or three games. And the Washington football team is going to win like four, maybe five. It's not hard to win this division. You just have to beat out Dallas. That is not a big challenge. Carson Wentz, it's always been a problem. His turnovers have always been a problem, but it's so much more this season than previous years. That is what is killing them. That is going to do it for me today on Headline Tuesday. If you enjoyed, please share it with one of your friends. And um, yeah, I feel like I talked about a bunch of good stuff today. I feel like a feel like a bunch of stuff happened in week three. There are plenty of good games. There's a comeback. There's a QB replacement. And, well, things are looking good. Um, The Fantasy Podcast should be coming out on Thursday and Predictions Friday. So, yeah, let's get it. See you later.